SBS acknowledges the traditional custodians of country and their connections and continuous care for the skies, lands and waterways across Australia. You're listening to Australia Explained, an SBS audio podcast helping you navigate life in Australia. Embracing the great outdoors is a cherished tradition in Australia with parks serving as a versatile havens for many activities. These green spaces offer endless possibilities, from dog walks to rejuvenating relaxation, energetic workouts and vibrant social gatherings. Our parks are like people's backyards, so we have signage that encourages people to share and respect the spaces that we provide. I'm your host, Maram Smail, and in today's episode, we'll delve into essential tips for making the most of public parks across Australia while ensuring a delightful experience for all. Did you know that Australia is home to over 50,000 urban parks? Sydney alone boasts 400 of them, ranging in size from pocket parks and suburban reserves to heritage-listed gardens. Joel Johnson is the manager for greening and leisure in the City of Sydney Council. He says while in some cases responsibility for public green spaces is shared with the state government, trusts or other entities, management of urban parks commonly falls under the responsibility of the City Council they are situated in. This is why rules may vary, and Mr Johnson advises people to always check what applies in your area. Each council area, each local government area does have different rules. I think you would in the main find them very similar, but depending on where you visit in Australia, there may be different issues or um, you know facilities or things happening in that local government area. So very important to check with your local council. In addition to public safety considerations, city park regulations aim to ensure a harmonious experience for everyone. While specific overarching rules apply to nearly all inner-city parks, unless specified otherwise, there exists variability in regulations for numerous activities, as Mr Johnson highlights. Our parks are like people's backyards, so we have signage that encourages people to share and respect the spaces that we provide. And yeah, one thing we don't allow is parking vehicles or camping in any of our parks, but things like drinking alcohol. We do have certain areas where that's restricted and certain areas where that's not restricted. So really important to check the park signage and we have pictograms where possible so that people can pick up pretty quickly what's allowed and not allowed. Sammy Dobinson is a mother of two and a coordinator of Mama Knows Melbourne, a website on free outings recommendations for kids and families. She has visited most green spaces in her city. She says few park rules would limit parents and children in their activities. However, an entirely different set of regulations comes into play regarding larger parks. Places like botanical gardens where you can't kick a football and there might be some you know, regulations about ball sports or large parties of people gathering in some botanical gardens. Miss Dobinson says that many aspects of parks and playground etiquette are simply a matter of common sense. Things like taking your rubbish with you if you can or finding a rubbish bin to use 
before you leave, cleaning up after yourself, making sure that the kids are playing on appropriately sized play equipment. You know, if you've got a toddler area, you don't want to be sending big kids coming down the slide with the little kids. It could be a bit intimidating. So there's just a little bit of common sense when it comes to those. A similar, being mindful of others approach is expected when you choose local park to host your child's birthday party. You just need to be, I guess, mindful about noise, making sure you're not bringing the biggest boombox you've got and keeping things under control in terms of the kids running around, I suppose and take your streamers home with you if you're decorating. Make sure all of that party stuff goes with you. When arranging a modest gathering, locations like barbecue spots and other areas within parks are generally accessible on a first-come, first-served basis. However, obtaining a booking or a permit could be necessary for larger occasions, such as weddings and year-end celebrations, as well as activities that entail significant crowds or possess commercial undertones. Mr. Johnson from the City of Sydney provides some examples. We have a few spots that are popular for weddings. So, for example, Observatory Hill Park is very popular for weddings, so you do need to book in those locations. And events that would typically need approval are things that are going to have a major impact on the park or you know, very large concerts or markets or commercial activities where you're selling things, those sorts of things need approval. And so our venue management team would consider what you're wanting to do, say yes or no, and then provide conditions of use if it's approved. If you are planning to have a barbecue, don't forget to check for fire ban signs or the local council's website for rules around starting wood fire or charcoal fires. It's also important to check your state or territory's local fire danger warnings and bans. As for professional trainers conducting fitness or wellness classes in parks, it may also be required to get approval from the city council and sometimes pay a fee. Scott Hunt is the founder and CEO of Fitness Enhancement, a personal training business operating across three states, specializing in outdoor sessions. Mr. Hunt explains how the permit system for personal training sessions in parks works in Brisbane. If you're training less than 10 people at once, see typical one-on-one, two-on-one personal training, you need a permit, but it's free. And then if you have a group of more than 10 people, such as a boot camp, then you do need to pay for a permit, and that's about $1,200 per year. Obviously, you have a bigger impact on the environment and the community if you've got groups of 10 or 20 people. The council's underlying reason for regulating commercial activities within parks is also to uphold public health and safety standards. The great thing about them saying you need a permit is it helps them check that personal trainers are actually qualified and insured who are working in the parks. From the consumer point of view, what they should also be doing is actually looking at that person and going, do they have the appropriate council approval? If they don't, well, check they've got insurance anyway. Just because someone looks like they might be awesome in a local park doesn't mean they're insured, qualified, registered and safe for you. So don't assume, do a little bit of research on it. According to Mr. Hunt, while park regulations are straightforward for individuals and business owners, taking a courteous and respectful approach is always a reliable choice in cases of uncertainty. What does council actually crack down on? They tend to only act on complaints. If you're not upsetting the community, which you probably shouldn't, especially if you're a local business owner, then you're probably not going to be asking for trouble. So I think just have that common courtesy and respect and realise, hey, it's not your park, it's the community's park, and look after the environment. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Australia Explained, written and produced by Zoe Thomaido and hosted by me, Madame Smail. Australia Explained Managing Editor is Rosa Germian. Until next time. This was an SBS Audio podcast. For more Australia Explained stories, visit sbs.com.au slash Australia Explained.